0: Welcome back to Literary Guys. This is author Zachary Kellyan here for a special episode. Every once in a while, we like to read great works of short English language fiction and then discuss them. And today, we've got a real treat for you. We'll be reading my personal pick for one of the greatest short stories of all time, A Clean, Well-Lighted Place by Ernest Hemingway. Stay tuned after the dramatic reading for a full discussion. It was very late, and everyone had left the cafe except an old man who sat in the shadow the leaves of the tree made against the electric light. In the daytime, the street was dusty, but at night the dew settled the dust, and the old man liked to sit late because he was deaf, now at night it was quiet, and he felt the difference. The two waiters inside the cafe knew that the old man was a little drunk, and while he was a good client, they knew that if he became too drunk, he would leave without paying, so they kept a watch on him. Last week, he tried to commit suicide, one waiter said. Why? He was in despair. What about? Nothing. How do you know it was nothing? He has plenty of money. They sat together at a table that was close against the wall near the door of the cafe and looked at the terrace where the tables were all empty except the old man who sat in the shadow of the leaves of the tree that moved slightly in the wind. A girl and a soldier went by in the street. The street light shone on the brass number on his collar. The girl wore no head covering and hurried beside him. The guard will pick him up, one waiter said. What does it matter if he gets what he's after? He'd better get off the street now. The guard will get him. They went by five minutes ago. The old man, sitting in the shadow, rapped on his saucer with his glass. The younger waiter went over to him. What do you want? The old man looked at him. Another brandy, he said. "'You'll be drunk,' the waiter said. The old man looked at him. The waiter went away. "'He'll stay all night,' he said to his colleague. "'I'm sleeping now. "'I never get to bed before three o'clock. "'He should have killed himself last week.' The waiter took the bottle of brandy and another saucer from the counter inside the cafe and marched out to the old man's table. He put down the saucer and poured the glass full of brandy. "'You should have killed yourself last week,' he said to the deaf man. The old man motioned with his finger. A little more, he said. The waiter poured it into the glass so that the brandy slopped over and ran down the stem into this top saucer of the pile. Thank you, the old man said. The waiter took the bottle back inside the cafe. He sat down at the table with his colleague again. He's drunk now, he said. He's drunk every night. Why did he want to kill himself for? How should I know? How did he do it? He hung himself with the rope. Who cut him down? His niece. Why did they do it? Fear for his soul? How much money he got? He's got plenty. (laughs) He must be 80 years old. Anyway, I should say he was 80. I wish he would go home. I never get to bed before 3 o'clock. What kind of hour is that to go to bed? He stays up because he likes it. He's lonely. I'm not lonely. I have a wife waiting in bed for me. He had a wife once too. A wife would be no good to him now. You can't tell. He might be better with a wife. His niece looks after him. You said she cut him down. I know. I wouldn't want to be that old. An old man is a nasty thing. Not always. This old man is clean. He drinks without spilling, even now, drunk. Look at him. I don't want to look at him. I wish he would go home. He has no regard for those who must work. The old man looked from his glass across the square, then over to the waiter's. "'Another brandy,' he said, pointing to his glass. The waiter, who was in a hurry, came over. "'Finished,' he said, speaking with that omission of syntax stupid people employ when talking to drunk people or foreigners. "'No more tonight. Close now.' "'Another,' said the old man. "'No. Finished.' The waiter wiped the edge of the table with a towel and shook his head. The old man stood up slowly, counted the saucers, took a leather coin purse from his pocket, and paid for the drinks, leaving half a peseta tip. The waiter watched him go down the street, a very old man, walking unsteadily but with dignity. Why didn't you let him stay to drink, the unhurried waiter asked. They were putting up the shutters. It's half past two. I want to go home to bed. What is an hour? More to me than to him. An hour is the same. You talk like an old man yourself. You can buy a bottle and drink it at home. It's not the same. No, it's not, agreed the waiter with a wife. He did not wish to be unjust. He was only in a hurry. And you? You have no fear of going home before your usual hour? Are you trying to insult me? No, hombre. Only to make a joke. No, the waiter who was in a hurry said, rising from pulling down the metal shutters. I have confidence. I'm all confidence. You have youth, confidence in a job, the old waiter said. You have everything. And what do you lack? Everything but work. You have everything I have. No, I never had confidence and I am not young. Come on, stop talking nonsense and lock up. I am of those who like to stay late at the cafe, the older waiter said, with all those who do not want to go to bed, with all those who need a light for the night. I wanna go home and go to bed. We were of two different kinds, the older waiter said. He was now dressed to go home. It is not a question of youth and confidence, although those things are very beautiful. Each night, I am reluctant to close up, because there may be someone who needs the cafe. Hombre, there are bodegas open all night long. You do not understand. This is a clean and pleasant cafe. It is well lighted. The light here is very good, and also now, there are shadows of the leaves. Good night said the younger waiter. Good night, the other said, turning off the electric light. He continued the conversation with himself. It was the light, of course, but it is necessary that the place be clean and pleasant. You do not want music, certainly you do not want music. Nor can you stand before a bar with dignity, although that is all that is provided for these hours. What did he fear? It was not a fear or dread. It was nothing that he knew too well. It was all and nothing and a man was a nothing too. It was only that and light, it was all it needed, and a certain cleanness and order. Some people lived in it and never felt it, but he knew it was all nada y pues, nada y pues, nada y nada y nada pues nada. Our nada, who art nada, nada be thy name. Thy kingdom nada, thy will be nada, and nada as it is in nada. Give us this nada our daily nada, and nada us our nada, as we nada our nadas, and nada us unto nada, but deliver us from nada, pues nada. Hail nothing, full of nothing, nothing is with thee. He smiled and stood before a bar with a shining steam pressure coffee machine. What's yours? Asked the barman. Nada. Otro loco mas, said the barman and turned away. A little cup, said the waiter. The barman poured it for him. The light is very bright and pleasant, but the bar is unpolished, the waiter said. The barman looked at him but did not answer. It was too late at night for conversation. You want another copita? the barman asked. No, thank you, said the waiter and went out. He disliked bars and bodegas. A clean, well-lighted cafe was a very different thing. Now, without thinking further, he would go home to his room. He would lie in bed, and finally, with daylight, he would go to sleep. After all, he said to himself, it's probably only insomnia. Many must have it. Thank you for listening. I'm joined here with my co-host as always, Dr. Gordon McCallan. Gordy, what did you think of A Clean, Well-Lighted Place by Ernest Hemingway?
1: I think it was wonderful. I'd actually never read or listened to it before. So listening to you here is actually my first time experience. Oh, wow. Okay. The depth of emotion, or in many ways, not a whole lot happening here, is intense. I really enjoyed that about the story. I also thought that it broke with some of the tropes that I think of as Hemingway. Mm -hmm. Like we've got this whole idea of farewell to arms, for instance. Yeah where this whole motif of it being rainy and cloudy and the storms rolling in, and it's used perhaps too much Mm. as a mechanism in order to talk about mental state in that particular book. But here we have the complete opposite. We have someone who is seeking that cleanliness, someone who is seeking that purification, if you will, of that environment. And as someone who does enjoy going to a restaurant or a bar and just enjoying being there for no other reason than that I can tell you that there is definitely something about some places that others do not have yeah it is a distinctive character and while this short story draws the connection between the restaurant and the bodegas for instance Mm -hmm. that I can say that it's far more granular than even that that there are certain places that bring a connection and that if the old man for instance wants to go there and drink and stay till all hours it's because that's the place he wants to be and I love that line in there about yes he, he could go home and drink but it's just not the same
0: It's not the same, especially when you're trying to escape darkness. Darkness is the last place you want to kind of inhabit. And this is one of my all-time favorite short stories. We read some early Ernest Hemingway with a dramatic reading of Indian Camp earlier this season. Mm -hmm. Of course, we kicked off season one with one of Hemingway's last writings, The Old Man and the Sea. This is kind of right in the middle of his career. This was Ernest Hemingway writing at his top prowess. Another contemporary of his, James Joyce, said that this was the singularly best short story ever written in the English language. Because it is, to your point, very astutely, It is just a normal slice-of-life moment. There's nothing inherently dramatic that's happening, but there's so much depth and emotion that's going on between, essentially, these three men whose lives are kind of intertwined in this singular moment
1: at 3 a.m. in a Spanish bodega. There's a shocking amount of character development, given that we're exposed to almost no details about the characters. We have this old man who people ask about the suicide attempt, But we don't really know that much about him. It's just the circumstance of, I believe it's his niece and him getting cut down. We don't know anything about him. We only have these sparse details about the two waiters. We don't really know too much about them. But I can say that I feel like emotionally, there's almost character development going on in that short space of time.
0: Yeah, this is one of those where I would encourage you to re-listen to the reading you just heard, to pick it up yourself, to read it. I've read it countless times. Uh, I've read it in the actual bodega that Ernest Hemingway is writing about. And then I've also read it in Ketchum, Idaho, where uh, Ernest Hemingway had his last meal before he killed himself. There's a lot going on here that I I feel... I mean, maybe I'm putting too much importance on it. I don't know. I think our listeners and, and you can help me better gauge that but for me it's saying so much about male isolationism and how in our youth we kind of rage against these feelings of loneliness we kind of fear the passage of time you know we're always in a hurry for things and as we kind of settle in you know maybe to where that older waiter is kind of at in his life we start to see things a little differently And then, of course, there's the end of life that the old deaf man is experiencing that is very tragic and sad. You know, here's a man who just recently tried to commit suicide, and now he's back out on his drinking routine with no one to look after him, no friends, uh, just some waiters who are a little bitter that he's keeping their bar from closing early. And I just wonder how many men have suffered those lives, Those, those lives where they can't open themselves up to some of those, that inner darkness, and that maybe the only
1: recompense they have is to be in a clean, well-lighted place. I think for the old man that we know that there is an inner darkness, some reason that caused him to try and take his own life. I don't know if we necessarily get that as much from the other two characters, but if Hemingway is trying to make a statement here about stages of life that all men, for instance, experience... That do you think that there's hints in there that maybe there's a growing darkness in the other characters as well?
0: Yeah, I think the the younger waiter in Hemingway's, you know, telling of this is living a very unexamined life, which certainly many men go their entire lives without kind of any soul searching, and that's where the younger waiter's at. I think the older waiter right there at the end, I mean he's just lying in bed staring up at the ceiling, waiting for daylight to come, trying to convince himself it's insomnia and not clinical depression. I think that older waiter relates very much to the old man and I think he recognizes that he at least has some part to play in some kind of therapy for these lonely people by keeping his cafe open by being a safe place, a place free from worry and clutter and all of the distractions that we suffer in our daily lives. He's trying in his own way to provide this safe space for people like him, people who are dealing with their own inner demons and don't want to be swept up in the chaos of a bar or a bodega in the sense you know they just want to be alone with their thoughts says the shadow of the leaves play around them and have that lightness try to drive away some of the darkness that
1: they're experiencing well obviously things did not end well for Hemingway in his own life and his own depression do you think that Hemingway is saying anything here about a cry for help or is he just talking about just making it from day to day
0: You know, that's really interesting. How much insight does Hemingway have into his own mental state? Certainly, this was a good time in his life when he wrote this, um, but he obviously has knowledge of the bad times and has either seen many friends or has probably had these experiences. I mean, eight years before this was written, Ernest Hemingway was so poor and hungry, he was going to a park in France and twisting the heads off pigeons just to feed his family. So he's certainly known some darker times. I don't know about the cry for help, though. That's a really interesting thing. Is there, or was there any sense of men of this era that they could even ask for help? Or was that sense, like, the only help you have is just, man, drinking it away in a safe place. Maybe that's the best that you can ask for. That's kind of what I take away from this. I don't know if there is a a hopeful message that comes out of this story. But I
1: would be very curious to hear kind of what you thought as a fresh take on it. Well, I think, and this connects with a number of things we've talked about in Literary Guys recently, is this idea of stoicism. Yeah. Particularly stoicism of that generation, maybe the generation before, and how there was this expectation that you didn't talk about your feelings. But I I, I think... What we're seeing here is Hemingway at least saying there's a place that will condone you where you can maybe not be accepted. He's not accepted by the young waiter, Mm -mm. but he is condoned by the older waiter. And maybe Hemingway saying at that time, that's the best you're going to get. I mean, that's just tragic. It's very tragic, but I think you're. I think you're probably right. I think that's where Hemingway was at when he wrote this. It's
0: probably where he was at the end of his life. I mean, he he had a lot of friends uh, uh, who were artists who were also tortured, who also ended their own lives a bit too early. And I feel like in his worldview, it was just yeah, there was that sense of. Condoning of at least accepting that everyone's not going to be okay. I mean, the setting for this just to kind of elucidate it for our first-time listeners. This was in Civil War Spain. We get some hints of that uh, contextually throughout the the text itself. What book was he writing about that? That was uh, the Sun Also. Sun Also Rises. You know. Yeah. So it's set in that same time period. Obviously, a, a lot of great strife. So who knows what all three of these characters are dealing with in terms of their country being. Overturned, and you know, people being dragged out of their houses in the middle of the night, and certainly, so it was a scary, uh, foreboding time. But uh, one of the things that I'm so grateful of, even in 2021, which hasn't been the best year, we've certainly seen some dark moments this year and in previous years. Gosh, I'm so thankful that you and I can sit in a very dark bar like we are right now, and actually talk about our feelings, and actually have some open conversations. And even if we are suffering a little bit, mm-hmm. we can let the other person know we're suffering and we can talk through it, and there's no judgment, and it's not just, hey, suffer in quiet, and I'll respect your autonomy to do that. that. It goes so much farther, and I'm really glad about the growth
1: that men have taken in the hundred or so years since this was last written. I think you raise a fantastic point. Like, here we are, and we're able to have this conversation, and I don't know if you knew this or not, we're actually recording these and putting them on the internet, and we're able to sit yeah. here and talk about yeah. you know some of the, the things in life that are are not good things where we personally have struggled and it's not a mark of shame at all it's actually about personal growth and i feel like myself that if it wasn't for those kind of conversations that i would not have been able to self actualize the degree that I have and I think about that like if I was haunted by all of these things that these characters in the story have or Hemingway like would I have been able to self actualize with my life and I'm like probably not Mm -hmm. so it really says something about the again stoicism that some of these folks had in order to be able to exist without any of that pressure release valve Exactly. And you know, it's easy to feel like things
0: have never been worse, but if you're you're feeling that way now and you're listening to this, just remind yourselves that, hey, at least it's okay for men to show emotion now. At Mm -hmm. least it's okay for men to talk about these things. And if you are struggling, find a friend to talk to. Reach out to us. Reach out to somebody. And just know that it's okay. That's one of the main reasons we wanted to start Literary Guys is because we just thought men needed more of an outlet to talk about some of these deeper conversations. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that with you, Dr. McCallan, and doing it here in our our very
1: clean but very dark lit bar. Mm -hmm. Um, It's certainly a a pleasure to do that with you every week. Thank you very much. And uh, the same to you. So I know we're talking about these difficult subjects, and I also realize that conversations about suicide can be triggering to our listeners, but also that we have listeners who may be dealing with issues in that area themselves. And so we do want to call out if that is something that you are struggling with, that a good resource is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Yeah, you can reach out to that at
0: 1-800-273-8255. And I know for, for the guys out there, I know we've all heard at one time or another that, hey, suck it up. Walk it off. You know, your your emotions aren't valid. You're, you're being too much of a crybaby over this. Don't, don't think that way. I guarantee you, if you're going through a tough time, call that number. You're going to find a listening ear, and you're going to learn that, really, we're all going through these things to varying degrees, and that... Whatever you're feeling right now is something that somebody else has at least felt once before in their life. And to me, there's a lot of comfort to take in that. And so I do hope that you'll have the courage and you'll be man enough to call one of these hotlines if you ever have um, those feelings or or reach out to your friends. To me, that's what men do. They reach out when
1: they need help. That's a courageous thing to do. And it's just highlighting in the story about how there's nowhere for these men to reach out to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you cannot help but think that this character, the old man, like this is not a place where he is going to be happy. I don't see him as a happy character who somehow got better because he got a few drinks in the bar. Mm-hmm. Like he just made it one more day, mm-hmm. which in in you know 1933, that was pretty much all you could ask for. Yeah. Well, Zach, I gotta say this is an amazing story. I can't believe I had not read it yet. I certainly knew about the story, and we've talked about it. I remember you mentioning it while we were having cocktails at a place called the Gerald, I believe, in in Ballard. Yes. Which is, at the time, I think it's changed, it was a very well lighted bar for one o'clock on a Saturday, well technically Sunday morning. So, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this and I hope that we continue doing these readings. I feel like we've branched off into some interesting areas that... Otherwise, our full-form literary guy's context would not allow.
0: Well, thanks all for listening. Join us next week. We'll return to our normal format of reading a book, discussing it. Our book for the month of December is actually a novella, another amazingly emotional, dramatically deep, wonderfully written work of art called Broke
1: Back Mountain by Annie Prue. I went into reading that book with a little bit of skepticism, mm. and I walked away with it being one of the most heart-wrenching but also emotionally accurate portrayals of homosexuality. And I cannot wait to talk to you about it. Like, I feel like, what is it, like 70 pages? Yeah. And we get like four months worth of episodes out of that compared to the complete pile of trash that we read this (laughs) month (laughs) with nothing less forever. No, I I can't wait to talk to you about it. I
0: think it's one of the great works of American literature and I'm so glad that you found truth in it you found it to be authentic uh, it really is a a masterpiece of the male experience gay straight it doesn't matter at the end of the day i think anyone who identifies as a man can relate to a lot of the themes in that novel yeah.
1: well with that i think it is time that we wrap things up as always thanks to the stardust lounge for hosting us which is as you said not a Clean, well lighted place. It's clean. It's, it's clean. clean. We it don't wanna clean. we it don't wanna clean. be kicked out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very
0: clean. They get an A plus rating.
1: But not well lighted. Not at all. Okay. Well with that, this has been Literary Guys signing off.